And thank you again for being here this morning. We are excited to continue uh, part two, or week two, I should say, um, of our vision series for 2023. So the purpose of this is to really dive deep into the vision uh, that we have adopted as a church that we believe God has given to us. And so we have a particular vision statement uh, that we have adopted in 2020 that we're just a few years into pursuing. And it's more than a statement. It's more than a mission uh, language or statement. This is real. And the purpose of this series, this series is to show you how the rubber meets the road, so to speak, right? Exactly the nuts and bolts of this. And so we're going to dive deep today and continue talking about worship, walk, and witness. What does it look like for us as a church, as Kernan Boulevard Baptist Church, to pursue the vision that God has given us? So uh, would you pray with me and let's ask the Lord to give us great wisdom and understanding and passion uh, to pursue his plans for us. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for who you are. And we are so excited that we get to open the word of God, that we get to look at what you have said is true. Lord, in a world with so many voices telling us what is right, what is wrong, Jesus, here we are as your people today declaring that you have told us, Lord, you have given us ultimate, absolute truth in your word. So God, would you speak to us today with that truth and encourage us, show us, and give us a motivating passion to pursue the vision you've given us as a church. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the statement that we have as a church that says uh, concisely who we believe God wants us to be, you can see it there on the screens, it's this. Kernan exists to glorify God by making disciples, right? So there's the Great Commission that Jesus commanded his church to pursue. And then when you take the rest of the New Testament teachings and you look at all the things that the Apostle Paul and Peter and Jesus himself say about the people of God and how we should function, then that's where you get the rest of this statement. We're making disciples who do what? Who worship with authenticity, walk in community, and witness as we go. You know, it's easy to, to look at that statement and say, oh, well, that sounds nice. I'm so glad that we have a, a nice, catchy vision or mission statement here at Kernan. But the point of this series is for us to see that this is more than just a statement, right? We want to be the people of God. We want, we want to pursue, you know, exactly what it is that God is calling us to do as his church. And so we are diving deep each week into kind of the three pillars of this statement, those three purposes of any New Testament believing gospel preaching church, right? To worship God, to walk with the Lord, and to be a witness in this world for him. And so here at Kernan, we've attached these descriptor phrases at the end of those three purposes of worship, walk, witness to describe the the. Uh, flavor, if you will, that we want to do these things in relation to the biblical commands. And so last week, we talked about what it looks like to worship with authenticity, right? We don't want, we don't want to come to church because somebody is making us or out of some kind of guilty obligation, right? We don't want to come to church just to make ourselves look good to others. We want to be here in this worship service at 1030 on Sundays for what? One reason, really, to worship, 
right? To worship our King, to worship our Savior, to worship Jesus Christ. And so he is worthy, right? He is worthy of our worship. And, and what causes us to worship? We talked about this last week. It's really gratitude, right? Gratitude should be at the root of what motivates you to worship the Lord. And so worship is really an expression, right? It's ascribing the glory that is due our God, right? It's ascribing glory to his name out of a deep sense of gratitude. So even if you walk in here and you've had a rough weekend and your favorite NFL team did not win, right? And let's just say you're gloomy, right? And you walk in and you don't really feel like worshiping. You can still sing the songs. You can still hear the word of God. You can still engage with the Lord in prayer. Because why? Because at the end of the day, no matter what else is going on in your life, you know what Jesus has done for you. And you dwell on that and you say, you know what, I'm not, even, I'm not even happy right now, but I am glad to be here because I worship Jesus and I'm grateful for what he's done for me, right? That's worship. That is a true heart of worship. And so we talked about how we do this in this space primarily once a week, right, on Sundays. Here we are. Right? And there's many different forms of worship. It's not just the music. Right, It involves preaching. It involves participating in the Lord's Supper and baptism. It involves giving and the offering, hearing the Word of God read. Right, All of these things that we've done today and, and other days throughout the year, these are forms of worship, ascribing glory to God by expressing the gratitude that we have for Him and through Christ. So today, we're going to move on to the second pillar of this statement. We're going to talk about what it looks like to walk in community. Now, when you come to faith in Christ, right? When, when you trust Jesus in that, in that moment in your life where you truly repent of your sin and you turn to Christ as your Savior to be what you cannot be, to be your Savior instead of trying to save yourself, when you trust Jesus in that moment, we call that salvation, right? That's what the Bible calls salvation. That moment is not the end of your spiritual journey. That's not the finish line. Salvation is really just the starting point, right? Think about that. Salvation is not the finish line. It's the starting line for a whole lifetime of learning to love God and walking with Jesus in obedience to his word. So whether you are saved when you are 10 years old, 40 years old, or 80 years old, however much time the, the, the Lord gives you after that moment, that is your spiritual journey. That is your life of faith. And that's the moment those are the moments that you walk with Jesus in obedience to his word. So the word walk, right? The word walk is used many times in the New Testament to describe the Christian's spiritual journey. Would you look with me on the screens at Romans chapter 6, verse 4? This is, I'll show you exactly what I'm talking about here. The Apostle Paul says this. He says, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too, we too might what? Walk in newness of life. 
So the Apostle Paul is saying, if you have trusted the death and resurrection of Jesus, right, you are united with him now through faith. It's not what you could do. It's what he has done. And you now, your heart, your life, your soul is united with Christ. And so that gives you the ability to walk with him. You're walking in a new kind of life. So that word walk indicates that it's a journey. It's a new journey, Paul says. All right, well, what does it mean, though? Right, let's ask this question. What does it mean to walk with God? Well, when we see the word walk in this way in the New Testament, it's, it's describing the process of a word the Bible calls sanctification. Right? That's kind of a big Bible word that, that may be hard to understand. But what that word simply means is that over time, your life, as you walk with Jesus, as you learn to obey his word, as you learn to love him and love others in the way that he has taught us to do, over time, guess what? What is God doing in your life as you walk with Jesus? He is shaping and molding your heart, your character, who you are, to look more like him. He's conforming you to his image. Isn't that amazing? The whole world today really seeks to kind of conform God to our image. Don't we do that? We like to, to make this own version of who God is in our minds to kind of suit our needs in the moment. But what Jesus is doing in the hearts of his people over time is sanctification. He is shaping us to look like him. He's conforming you into who he is, his character, his heart, what he loves. He wants you to love what he loves. He wants you to hate what he hates. He wants you to like what he likes. He is shaping you into who he wants you to be, to grow in your faith and love for him as the years go by. You know, it's hard. Sanctification is kind of funny because it's, it's really hard to measure right? It's hard to measure. And here's, I want to give you a simple illustration that I think has been very helpful for me personally. So think of, think of your walk with Jesus as, you know, in the stock market, right? If you invest in any kind of stock or mutual fund or anything like that, over time, right, you see this, this line graph, right? And so you may see it on the news, on the ticker, right? You see this line graph of the stock market. And, and what do you see? Man, it's a zigzag line, isn't it? It's up and down, it's up and down. And so from day to day, I mean, who knows, right? It could be 500 points lower than it was last week. It could be five point, 500 points higher than it was last week. From day to day and week to week, I mean, it's just zigzagging all over the place. But when you zoom out and you look at the five-year view of the stock market or the 10-year or the 20-year view of the stock market, what do you see? You see progress. You see growth, right? There's ups and downs. There's zigzags all over the place. But ultimately, what's happening? It's progressing. It's growing. Guess what? That's the spiritual life. That's the process of sanctification. It's ups and downs from day to day. It's an emotional roller coaster sometimes from week to week. But think about your personal journey with the Lord. Think about your walk with Jesus. If you were to zoom out, just think about your life five years ago. How has the Lord conformed you to his image? How has the Lord used the events and the circumstances of your life to shape who you are today? Think about your life 10 years ago, 20, perhaps more. Do you see it? What is Jesus doing? 
from day to day and week to week, you may get discouraged because you may feel, you may feel like you're not growing in your faith, like you're not truly walking with the Lord. But the true Christian, the person who has really given their heart and their life to Christ and says, Jesus, I'm not perfect, but that's exactly why I need you, because you are. I'm not God, but you are. And I want to follow you, and I want to love you, and I'm going to make mistakes, Jesus, but I need you. I need your Holy Spirit working in me. The true Christian who can say that in humility can look back five years, ten years, and see what? The progression. You see the growth. It's amazing. It really is. It's like this season with the Jaguars, right? I mean, the first half was terrible. Second half was great. Last night's game was a microcosm of the season, wasn't it? (laughs) That's the spiritual journey. Over time, you see progress. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says here. He says, for at one time, you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So what should we do then? Walk as children of light. Live who you really are. Walk in that true identity, Paul says. Look what he says in Galatians 5, 16. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So as you're living and learning to yield and listen to the Holy Spirit of God through the written Word of God, and you learn over time how to apply that to your life, the Spirit is driving you to godliness Not in the ways of your flesh, in other words, your sinful past and your body, right? But now, in the life of the Spirit, you're learning a new life. It's a newness of life. So as followers of Jesus, we are all walking with Him on this journey. But here's the thing. This walk, this journey called life, it was never meant to be done alone. God didn't design it that way. For you to figure this out by yourself with no one's help. That is not God's intention. The New Testament also tells us that this walk with Jesus is supposed to be communal. We're supposed to walk with other Christians following Jesus together. You may be on your downslope, they may be on the upslope. When you look at that large graph of your spiritual journey, the five-year view, the 10-year view, guess what? All of us in here, we're all over the place. Some of you just came to know the Lord last year. Some of you have been Christians for 50 plus years. Some of you are struggling with an addiction right now and some of you just recovered from one. Guess what? The beautiful thing about the church, the beautiful thing about Jesus is that he loves us all the same and he wants us to join hand, hand in hand together and say, we are not alone. We are in this together. And so where one is weak, one is strong and where that one's weak, the other's strong. It's a beautiful thing, the body of Christ. He designed us in this way to love one another, support one another, lean on one another, perhaps carry one another. We are called, you could say it this way, to walk in community. What does it mean? What does it mean to walk in community? You know, our Western society is full of just kind of funny hypocrisies in the way that we think we should relate to other people, you know? What I mean is, on one hand, here in America, we really highly prioritize 
individualism, right? So we highly prioritize individualism and privatization. So in other words, what I mean is we want to only answer to ourselves and we don't want anybody else in our business, right? That's generally the mindset and the concept that we try to operate our lives on. But there's this other, on the other hand, our culture also seeks and craves community, a place to belong. Loneliness is a true epidemic here in America, but what you see is and on one hand, you have a culture that wants to be private and individualistic, but we also feel like we need to be connected with others. And so the connections are usually very superficial, just surface level, right? So it could be, you know, social media or going to a bar or a nightclub to try to find someone to relate to in some way, to try to find or maybe join a, an organization or a club or a sports team or something like that to, to feel connected with others but also maintain that individualism and privatization. It's a funny thing. It's a funny culture that we live in. The beautiful thing about the church that Jesus created, that he established, is that the body of Christ, the people of God, the family of God, Jesus himself offers a better way that is not centered on individualistic pursuits, but at the same time, the community that it offers is not superficially connected. Do you see that? Do you see how the church, Jesus' bride, his body, his people, who he gave his life for, do you see God's design in the church to be the solution to something that our society is desperately craving but seems to just can't find? God designed the church to be the place where real relationships are felt and bonded and made. Real friendships are made. Not the superficial kinds that you see on Facebook or anywhere else or some kind of organization or, or HOA or anything that you're a part of. The church is the design that God gave us, His people, to find that sense of belonging. Look at the way in Ephesians chapter 4 that the Apostle Paul talks about this. I mean, this is just amazing. It's beautiful. It's so detailed and true. Look at this in verses 11 through 16. The Apostle Paul says, he, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until what? We, plural, we, all of us in the church, all attain, and what are we striving for? To the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. God is shaping all of us together into His image, as I said earlier. Why? So that we may no longer be children, immature in other words, tossed to and fro by the waves and, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. In other words, we, we are now standing on something solid, right? We're not going to be wishy-washy. We're not going to flip-flop back and forth. We are the people of God pursuing Christ together in His truth. Verse 15, rather, instead of being deceived by the world, what are we doing? Speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into Him. Not me or you or some program, but Jesus Himself. 
who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body, me and you, all of us, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Isn't that amazing? What a wonderful description of the purpose and the function of the church. You may not find a better passage in the New Testament than that one that talks about exactly what we're talking about. The importance of us together as the body of Christ, belonging to Him, pursuing Him together, working and functioning in a healthy manner. It's beautiful. The power in this is the gospel. The gospel opens the door to community. And it shows us what true love for others looks like. The gospel is the engine, if you will. It's the power. It's the fuel. It is it. And what I mean is by faith in Jesus and what he's done for you, we are adopted into God's community. God the Father looks at you and he doesn't see your record of all those bad things you've done and all the terrible mistakes you've made, if you have put your faith not in yourself, but in Christ for your salvation, God the Father has adopted you into His family. He is your Father. And it's amazing. By looking, by looking to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, what do we see? We see the true love. We see true forgiveness. We see true grace. And that teaches us why we should love one another in the church. Why should we love one another in the church? Because that's how you've been loved. That's how I've been loved. I don't deserve the love of God. I don't deserve grace or forgiveness or mercy for anything I've ever done. But that's what Jesus has given you. That's what he's given me. And so what do we do? We love others as we have been loved ourselves by God himself. That's why we do it. But when you look at the life of Jesus and how he served the interest of others before his own, namely, primarily through giving his own life, that's how you see how. How do we love others? The way Christ has loved us. Sacrificially. True love always involves sacrifice of some kind. That's how we love each other in the body of Christ. In Acts chapter 2, Verses 42 through 47, we see just a really neat snapshot of the first church. The first church after Jesus ascended into heaven, here in the city of Jerusalem in Palestine, under Roman rule in the first century, you have Christians who are, who are living their lives in community. They're walking with Jesus together. And look at this description. Would you look at this? Verse 42 Here's what they did. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. 
And how did the Lord bless that? That kind of self-sacrifice and service and love for one another. What did he do? And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Jesus grew the church. In other words, he grew the family of God and brought more people into the family of God through the powerful witness and community that the people of God were living in and exemplifying. Walking in community really helps us pursue the three purposes of the church, doesn't it? When we're, when we're really sharing our lives together, it encourages us to worship God. When we're really sharing our lives together, it serves as a powerful witness to the world that there is something better than what the world has to offer for belonging. So what does that look like here at Kernan? I want us to spend the rest of our time this morning just talking, what does it look like practically to walk in community here at Kernan Church? You know, there's many ways that you can love others in this church. There's really endless opportunities. I mean, you don't have to wait on the pastor or the staff to give you opportunities. You can create an opportunity, right? I mean, if someone is sick, you call them, right? You don't have to wait on me to tell you to do that, right? You just call them. You give them a call. You go see them. You bake them a, a meal, right? You take them a meal, right? So whatever it takes, right? Any way that we can serve, there's endless opportunities that you could proactively pursue to love others in the church. But, but organizationally speaking, right, we have designed a space for this to be easy for you to participate in. And that space, we call it here at Kernan, is community groups, Right? And so there's really, there's really three purposes of community groups. And when I say community groups, just, for, just so we're all on the same page, those are the groups that meet on Sunday mornings right here in this building at 9.15, right? So from 9.15 to about 10, some of you guys go a little late, 10.15, you know what I mean, right? <laughs> we meet here uh, in different aged groups, and you'll see a chart here in just a minute. But, uh, but I want to talk real quickly about what are the purposes of these groups that we have here at Kernan that we call community groups, right? Well, there's really a three-pronged purpose, right? It's serving to, I'm sorry, learning together, serving together, and doing life together. So we just, we just looked at the New Testament teachings, about the body of Christ and who we're supposed to be and, and what it looks like to walk with Jesus with others. Well, guess what? That's what these groups are for. Again, you can do it organically in different ways, of course, but this is the designated space that makes it easy for all of us to do this together, right? To participate together. So learning together, what is that? Well, that's pretty simple, right? On Sunday mornings, when you come to your group, guess what you're doing? You're studying a passage of Scripture together. You're talking about the gospel of Jesus together. You're learning more about who God is together. It's a beautiful thing. Serving together. You know, our vision for community groups here at Kernan is that all of our groups would adopt a way to serve in the city of Jacksonville, to serve those who have a serious or special need out there. So in other words, we want our groups to adopt some kind of local organization that is seeking to make an impact and really change the lives of people in Jacksonville. So whatever that organization is for you or your group, get involved. Ask your community group leader, how can I serve? Serving together is so important, right? Doing life together. Man, that is so, this is the fun part, right? Doing life together, it can be fun, but it also can be burdensome. Because when you open up your life to someone, guess what? That's a lot. 
It takes a lot of energy mentally and physically to really get to know people and, and bear their burdens and walk with them through suffering and pain, but it's also fun. When you get to hang out with your friends and the friends that you're making at church, it establishes deep connections so that when those hard times come, you're ready to love them and serve them. That's the approach that we take in our community groups here at this church. It's learning together, serving together, doing life together. So important. I want to show you real quick the groups we have. So these are the groups that we currently have uh, here at Kernan. If you have not uh, yet checked out a community group, we have our college class all the way uh, to the 70s class. Um, and by the way, if you're over 70, you are more than happy to join the 70s class. That is totally fine. Uh, there's, that just happens to be where it's at right now. Uh, we have two ladies classes as well. So we have all these groups. These are the leaders for them. Um, and so this is just a, just a great group of leaders, first of all, um, but just a wonderful opportunity for you, right? So we, we organize our groups, as you can see, by age, by decade, so that, you know, when someone new comes to the church, uh, it's just kind of an easy way to direct them and steer them to a group that would probably be most likely in their life scenario and life stage and, and that they could connect with easily and get make friends and things like that. So that's the purpose of that. Uh, but let me say this. Hey, we want to start new groups. You know, we, we don't want this to be the only community groups we ever have here at Kernan because if that was the case, then guess what? We're not making disciples. <laughs> if these are the only groups we ever have and they never grow, that means that we're not obeying the Great Commission because we're not sharing the gospel with our lost neighbors and friends and people aren't coming to Christ, right? The Lord isn't adding to our number day by day if that's the case. So guess what? The goal with each of these groups should be to birth a new group for a new group to have to start because the room is so packed with people. Some of you are on the verge of that. Some of your groups, they are packed with people and that's excellent, that's awesome. So guess what? We need more groups. We need more groups to welcome those who are coming to Kernan who may have not dived into one yet. So that's where we are with our structure. But, uh, you know, last week, um, as we talked about worship, um, I talked with uh, Kyle Lane, our worship and creative arts director, and he helped us understand a little bit better what it looks like to worship with authenticity. Well, guess what? Today, uh, I'm going to ask Ronnie Tittle and John Marshall two of our community group leaders, if they would come on up to the stage and have a seat with me here. You guys got your microphones in the seat there for you. And uh, I'm going to interview two of our community group leaders, and we'll talk a little bit more about what it looks like to walk in community here at Kernan. Can you give these two guys a hand? Ronnie, John, thanks for coming up. I promised you guys this would be easy, so I'm only going to pull a, a few curveballs on you. Um, how are you guys doing? Good? Well, I want to talk to you guys as two of our community group leaders here at Kernan, uh, just a little bit about what it looks like, practically speaking, for our community groups uh, to really pursue this vision of walking in community as believers, as the body of Christ. So uh, this first question is for both of you guys, and Ronnie, you can answer first. Um, simply, but what do you enjoy the most about being a community group leader? It's really fun, and I know being a community group leader challenges me because we've got some wonderful folks in our 50, 60 group, and uh, I've got to be on my toes, you know, really, because they're, uh, they're really uh, sharp and in, in giving insight and things like that. So one of the things I like the most is that we facilitate. I look at myself as a facilitator. Hmm. I get up there, and th you know, we talk about the scriptures, but I open it up for discussion, and I learn as we discuss. 
And that, to me, that's one of the most important things that I enjoy. It challenges me to get in the Scripture, look at culture when we talk about, like today, about Israel. Israel, looking out to what's the culture, what's, what was created during that situation, what is the context of the Scripture. Hmm. So it challenges me to kind of dig a little deeper. So I enjoy that. Otherwise, I might just kind of let things go and not be challenged <laughs> enough. But sure. I, I enjoy that. That's awesome. And what about you, John? Yeah, for me, it's uh, really just, I love personally just making an impact on anybody's life that I can be around. Uh, meeting new friends, meeting new people is always something that I enjoy. Also being able to test out some good dad jokes to see if they work throughout the rest of the week. is. I awesome. love a good dad joke. Yeah, yeah, there's not a bad bad joke. Dad joke. Um, and then really it just keeps me accountable throughout the rest of the week to make sure that I am getting into the word of God, that I am prepared for the class and everything like that as well. Yeah, that's awesome. So, Ronnie, can you talk a little bit about the importance of learning together, serving together, doing life together? You know, as I mentioned, we have this three-pronged strategy for our groups, um, and I kind of described what that is. Could you speak a little bit as to why those are important to collectively? Learning together, to me, it relates to, as we come together, like you're talking about the unity of the Spirit, you know, as the believers come together and we discuss the Scriptures, allows the Holy Spirit to work among us and we grow together in the unity of the Spirit and understanding the Scriptures more importantly. Um, and as we, we learn that and become closer to Christ, then as we serve together, then we, we look at the mission project, for instance, and we're doing things together that builds up the body of Christ. We get to know each other more. And like taking the mission project, for instance, you know, we've got a group that we're going to be adopting, changing a little bit this year, and that allows us to come together to serve that group. And uh, as we come together, we laugh and enjoy each other's company. We get to know each other more. And then as we do life together, then as we go out, like we just had, what, in December, one of our times together was getting in the pavilion. We had brought lunch or dinner. And then we would go out and roast marshmallows out there and a little fire out there on the field. So just doing things like that and uh, just coming together, getting to know each other because you know, we've got a prayer group, I mean, our prayer list that we keep updated each week. Caring for one another is mm. so important. And, you know, we're family, mm. you know. What breaks it down into a community group is that we get to know a little bit more about each other. Yeah. And that's so important. Knowing each other's needs and concerns and, and what bothers us and things like that. We can encourage one another because it is that smaller group of the family. Yeah. Uh, so to me, that's all how it fits right perfectly in. Yeah. And that's a great point. I like how you put it. Uh, we're, you know, a, a community group is really a microcosm of the greater church uh, because you look around the room and we're not, we're not a huge church, of course, but it's, it would be hard, right? It would be hard for each person in here to know everybody else. It's impossible. So the community group allows a space where you can connect with others and not just be another face in the crowd. Yeah, and you can only minister so much. It's up to us to help minister and carry on that ministry. Sure. You know, whether it be hospital visits or calling somebody, you know, or, or uh, just whatever it may be, visiting somebody or taking somebody to a doctor's appointment. Yeah. Whatever it may be that we're, we can take care of the smaller groups in a better way, you know, yeah. and, and it, it helps the staff too. Sure, it really does. Respect, so. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, so as we think about the importance of these friendships and um, just how Christian friends really affect our lives, John, this question's for you. How, how have your Christian friends helped shape your personal walk with the Lord? For me, it's uh, being Christian friends. It's more than just being friends. It's iron shoppers iron. Um, you're 
diving into people's lives. You're diving into each other's life. And uh, this life is just way too hard to go go solo or try to go solo and think that uh, you can do life without friends or anything like that, that you can just open up and be honest with them, but also be honest with yourself. Um, so I would say being um, having the iron sharpens iron, but then also uh, the accountability that my friends that are diving are putting into me is making me a better husband, a better son, a better uh, father, a better friend for them. So uh, that's what that's what helps me the most for sure. Yeah. So uh, for both of you guys in in your experience, uh, what is one of the more challenging aspects of walking in community with other Christians? Because we don't want we don't want to paint this picture that oh this is this is a breeze. This is easy, right? You'll, you'll get it. It's no big deal. I mean, it's hard, right? This is difficult. So what, what are some of the more challenging aspects? And we kind of alluded to that this morning in our class. Uh, life gets in the way sometimes. You know, we've got busy schedules. We've got a lot of things going on outside of, you know, of the church, you know, naturally. And uh, that hinders sometimes the things that we want to do in ministry and serving and helping one another. Um, but that's just uh, the challenge is there and have what you want to do. You don't may not have enough people to accomplish that. But, you know, you take the group that you have and when you have an activity. If it's only three people come together, if you have to go out to eat lunch and only three people, that's fine. You just enjoy the time and the fellowship there. But it, as we grow, then that would, you know, that would become even better. And you got more people to help serve and to be able to do some things you want to do. Yeah. That's good. John, what do you think? Yeah, for me, it's um, just for the biggest uh, challenge is just making sure that we're being vulnerable with each other. Um, because in today's world and COVID probably made it even harder was people are so easy to isolate themselves uh, or to throw up walls that um, just keep everybody at surface level conversations. Um, but being able to be vulnerable and have those uh, deeper conversations is crucial. That's good. So, for both of you guys, and this will be the last question, for, for those who, you know, maybe are newer to Kernan or just haven't had the opportunity to participate or, or even visit a community group yet, um, can, you get a, can you kind of give some examples of how your groups spend time together outside of church time? Just to kind of paint a picture for everyone, you know, hey, this is, this is what we do, this is how we hang out, this is how we get to know each other. Well, as far as the 50, 60, we're, as we get to know each other more, you know, we may see a need or somebody may need uh, transportation to a doctor's appointment. So this is part of it there. As a larger group, we may go out to eat, for instance, to lunch and this kind of thing. Um, and just coming together like that, just, just breaking bread together, sharing with one another and getting to know each other. You know, in our own families, our biological families, you know, if we're separated and we don't know each other that much or around each other that much, we don't learn more about them, you know, and, and grow in love mm. and loving them as we should. And I think as we come together, breaking bread, uh, just fellowshipping, having fun together, uh, that's part of it. And, and, you know, we're just limited when we come in. It's a great time in our fellowship as we come together as a community group. Uh, but then, we ha- you know, we, we kind of leave from there. We come into the worship and have to prepare for the worship time. And then afterwards, everybody's going about their business. But outside of this, as we come together, just simply having a lunch together, you know. Yeah. We'll sometimes after service, we'll meet in the pavilion and we'll have lunch together. Yeah. And just no special agenda, just fellowship. That's fine. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, for us, uh, being the 20s and 30s, we have a group chat um, that the guys are in, then we have a separate one for the girls. 
uh, in there. And so, I mean, we'll do, those, those group chats are awesome for us to have impromptu zoo trips that I know like my wife goes to. Um, we came up with an impromptu uh, skeet shooting uh, for the guys that we went and just shot some clay. So I don't know that many church groups that'll go and do that. Um, but good stress reliever. Yeah, it's a great yeah. stress reliever. Um, but uh, we had a church. We had a Christmas get together here on the grounds, uh, and then I know on the 22nd we're going to the Ask Anything tour. Yeah. Um, where there's some people in the class that are going to that. That's going to be downtown. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be a great event for anybody to go. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm and I can speak as one in the 20s, 30s class. I'll let you guess which decade I'm in. Uh, <laughs> barely still in that class. Uh, but yeah, you're right. And it's, it's really great. It's great to see the community continuing to form. And even as new people come into the group, uh, you know, just adding people to the group text and things like that. It's really cool. It's just really neat to see everyone together like that. Well, thank you guys so much, John and Ronnie, for uh, just coming up and helping us understand a little better uh, what it looks like to walk in community here at Kern and practically speaking, uh, in community groups. You guys do a great job, and we're really thankful for you both. Hey, Ronnie, could you, could you pray for us and just pray that the Lord would help us to really pursue this as a church body to walk in community? Our Father, we thank you, Lord, for the vision and the mission that you've given us here at Kernan. God, we thank you for working in and through your people here. Lord, as we come together, as we fellowship together, as we study together, as we serve together, and loving one another. Lord, help us to do it with purpose and, and being in, uh, with intent to glorify you. Lord, that through all of this, that you would be receiving all glory and praise. Lord, that we would grow up in the unity of the Spirit, growing up, building up one another as the body of Christ. And Lord, through the community groups, we thank you for that opportunity as we come together and to learn and to serve and to be able to, to love one another and know more about each other. Thank you for the vision that you've given us and help us, Lord, to follow through and be faithful to what you have called us to do and to be. And we praise you in all things, for it's in Christ's name. Amen.